Our scripture lesson this morning comes from Galatians chapter 5, 7 through 15, page 190 in your pew Bible. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you and who kept you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion will pay the penalty, whoever he may be. Brothers, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. This is the word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God for the reading, the scripture reading. Galatians chapter 5, verses 7 through 15. And I'll be the first to admit, uh, it's a very, very odd reading indeed. In fact, I was looking out upon the faces while Sharon was reading that. And um, I guess you're trying to follow along. Okay, and you're like kind of like, oh, well, that's okay. What does this have to do with today when we are celebrating Independence Day? Uh, I had a conversation, just a really quick one, uh, before the service started with Sherry. And she was like, I read this over twice this week. And I was like, okay, where is this going to go? Well, you're going to find out. <laughs> you're going to find out. Amen. Amen, Amen to that. Uh, again, if you've never heard this passage in Galatians before, or, or perhaps you have, and it's always been bewildering, but right now you're most definitely confused. You're very confused, but I promise you, and I hope I've never let you down on promises, but I promise you that in about five minutes' time, it's all going to make sense. In fact, I'm going to read it again in about five minutes, and um, I, I'm, I'm I'm just picturing windows opening of the mind and understanding going on. Well, today's scripture passage comes from the Apostle Paul. And it contains a very famous verse that most pastors I know have preached on. And the verse is this. For you, for you were called to freedom. Brothers and sisters, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another, become servants to one another. And that's weird language right there. We don't talk that way in, you know, among each other. So here's this passage in today's, this verse in today's language. It's summed up like this. Those who follow Jesus the Christ are set free. But this freedom is not a license to sin. Rather, you were set free to serve each other in love, out of your love for God. And that's that verse right there, all summed up. Now, the thing that I look at in this verse is where Paul writes that you were called to freedom. It's a very significant word right there, and we can't just let that go. And today, we are, we're celebrating that word, freedom. Freedom. 
Such an important word. But here's the thing. In the sense we are talking about this today, you cannot have freedom unless you are set free from something. Very important to grasp that. So you have to ask the question of this. Set free from what? And for what purpose? And I think we forget to ask those questions. We just hear the word freedom and we just go at it. We develop our own definitions. Well, this is freedom to me. But Paul, Paul wrote this. He had something in mind. So you ask the question, Paul, what do you mean freedom? And for what purpose? When Paul wrote these words to the churches in Galatia, the big discussion of that day was whether or not the new Gentile Christians. That's a weird term right there. Listen, if you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. So you have two groups of people. You have the Gentiles and you have the Jews or vice versa, or however, you know, whatever order you want to put it. Okay? But the big discussion that was going on within that region was whether or not the new Gentile Christians had to be circumcised just like the Jewish Christians. That was the, the, the odd conversation of the day. It sounds odd to us. It's not to them. All right? The, Jew, the Jews had the law of circumcision. It is how they sealed the, co the covenant between them and God. Circumcision. And it goes all the way back to, um, to Genesis chapter 15 through chapter 17. And that was the mark of a Jew. So they were recognized by this mark circumcision and then the law and that was a sign that they were God's people so you bring this all the way forward to this discussion that is going on within the church and the people at what if you really want to get to the heart of the matter the people were just trying to decide what are the marks of a Christian and that's the conversation right there it must be circumcision that makes sense after all. Jesus was a Jew and he was circumcised on the eighth day after he was born. Do you see how he, fo he followed into that covenant right there? That custom. And therefore, if we look at Jesus, we're to echo and mirror everything that Jesus did. And so therefore the Gentiles must be circumcised. And Paul is like, uh-uh, uh-uh. We're going to get to that. So what happened to the churches in Galatia is that a group of Jewish Christians, that's an odd thing to hear, okay? A group of Jewish Christians got into the churches in that area and spread this teaching. Paul actually calls it their gospel. He start, they start spreading this teaching and they needed to, that they needed to be circumcised. You need to go all the way here. And that's what Paul was addressing when he wrote these words. It's very interesting indeed. Now, I want to just kind of take a side note here. When you're reading through the New Testament, you're going to see two types of people. You're going to see God-fearers, all right? And God-fearers were those people that were interested in becoming Jewish, okay? But they didn't want to go all the way. One of those things that was stopping them was circumcision for obvious reasons, if you know what that is. I do not want to explain that to you, okay? So think about this, and this is just a sidebar over here, but, you know, Jesus comes along, and then we have this whole discussion going on with circumcisions. Well, they decided that the Gentile Christians didn't have to be circumcised. 
Um, and what you want to know is that was part of growing the church. That actually grew the church. The fact that they didn't have to get circumcised. See, they were already interested over here, but you remove that barrier right there. I'm like, oh, sign me up. I wonder why. It was a big deal. All right? So just consider those things and ask the, you know, the scripture those things when you're, when you're going through it. Okay? But what I want to do right now, so you know the whole discussion that is taking place around um, the Galatian church and why Paul wrote this letter. Okay? So what I want to do is I want you to hear it again. And this time when you hear it, it's going to be so clear to you what's going on. The windows of understanding are just going to open up, and I'll provide commentary as we go through this. So Paul hears about this issue that is seeped into the church from these religious Jewish Christians, and he writes, You were running so well. You were going at this so well. Who prevented you from obeying the truth? The truth that I brought to you, the truth that you embraced. Such persuasion does not come from the one who calls you, because these people were being very persuasive. And then he writes, a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough. Do you see how this little thing, just everyone started buying into it and just like permeated the church. And now they were discussing and arguing over this. So he writes, a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough. I am confident, however, about you in the Lord that you will not think otherwise. You're not going to buy into this. But whoever it is that is confusing you will pay the penalty. They really will. But my friends... My friends, why am I still being persecuted if I'm still preaching circumcision? If I am still preaching law? Because if I were preaching circumcision and law, and that old way, the old covenant, they wouldn't be persecuting me, would they? But they are persecuting me. Because in that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. If I preach circumcision and law, what's the point of the cross? There's no point whatsoever. You haven't been set free. And then this statement that, that follows up, it's, you can read it two ways, but I, I really um, believe that Paul's getting a jab in here, all right? And he's being kind of sarcastic, you know? No, not Paul. He's not allowed to do that. Well, you know what circumcision is, right? And that's the issue here. So then Paul writes, I wish those who unsettle you would castrate themselves. <laughs> Think about that, right? Go all the way. Might as well not stop with circumcision. Bam! And then he writes, and he softens his tone, for you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence. But through love, through love, become slaves to one another, servants to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. And this is an echo of what Jesus says in the Gospels. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If, however, you bite and devour one another like you're doing, arguing over this issue, disputing, well, take care that you're not consumed by one another. In other words, you keep this up, you're going to destroy each other. And that's what this, this, this passage, and that's how it reads. 
once you know the context and why Paul was writing that, you know, writing this out, you can understand why he would say those words. And basically, Paul was saying that followers of Jesus have been set free from the law. Well, does that mean that Christians can go around doing whatever they want? Because our sins have been washed away by the blood of Christ, because our sins are forgiven, can't we just do whatever we want? Does that what that means that you've been forgiven? Have at it. Go have a good time. You're forgiven. You know, if that were the case, if you could just have at it, if that were the case, Jesus, the, the Gospels might as well have been narrowed down to this. Jesus was born. There's the phrase for he's going to forgive us of our sins. All right? And then they might as well skip the life of Jesus, jump to the, jump to the crucifixion and resurrection, and we're all good. If that's what it's about. If you're just merely trying to get into the door of heaven. If you're just trying to get into the door of heaven and have a sinful life, all the way up until that point to take advantage of forgiveness, you got it all wrong. Jesus spent most of his time, when you read the Gospels, teaching the people and his disciples how to be with one another, how to love one another, how to forgive, how to offer grace, how to pray for one another, how to love God. But we tend to miss that because we jump straight to the crucifixion and resurrection. But you can't do that. The Bible does not allow you to do that. You have to read everything in between, and that has a lot to do with the heart of the human being. So can we just do whatever we want? Freedom. You know, that's, that's what the world would have you believe. It really is. In fact, that's the type of freedom that the world is generally trying to move forward right now. In this very country that we live in, and perhaps elsewhere, I don't know, but I can speak of America right now, trying to move you to a type of freedom where you do whatever you want. And if it's not living under the thumb of an oppressive authority, like some nations, if we can't do that, we can do this instead. We can let them be so free that they actually end up being their own oppressors. Take a moment and let that sink in. The idea that a people can be so free that they actually end up being their very own oppressors. Sin has a way of doing that. First, it entices you. It's right there. It's just all shiny. And it's got promises attached to it. And you have a choice. You're free to make a decision to engage in that sin. So what do you do? You just dip your foot. No, no, we'll start off with the toe. You dip your toe in the pool just to see the temperature, right? That's the sin, okay? I'm good to go. Next thing you know, it's your foot. Then it's your whole leg. Then it's your entire body. You find yourself totally immersed in it. And you can't get out. It's become your prison. And you've become your very own oppressor. Well, think about that on a national scale. 
I, I want to tell you right now, you have to really understand, a world without boundaries is perhaps the most dangerous place to be. A world where people are so free and independent that everyone gets to do whatever they want. That should scare you. That should frighten you. And it all begins with this phrase. You ready for it? Just do whatever it, just do whatever it takes to make you happy. Do whatever you want to make you happy. Have at it. Here's the other phrase. The heart wants what the heart wants. You know how many times that phrase has hurt people on the other end of that? I'm sorry. The heart just wants what the heart wants. You're just free to do whatever you want. Do whatever it makes to make you happy. Well, you know what? That works out great if you live in a world where everyone's righteous. That's wonderful in heaven, right? If you're a righteous person with a pure heart, then doing whatever it takes to make you happy is a good thing. You're going to love people. You're going to serve others in love. You're going to love God. You're going to be generous. You're going to be humble. You're going to be grace-filled and compassionate, and you're going to be listening to everyone. Why? Because that's a righteous, that's the definition of a righteous human being. If you ask me, you're going to do good, virtuous things. All for the benefit of the other. But what if you're not? What if you're not a righteous person with a pure heart? What if you have a darkened heart? What if you're a self-indulgent person like Paul points out in this passage? What if you seek power over those around you in order to make you happy? What if that makes you happy? Hurting other people. What if, what if what makes you happy is bringing harm upon someone else? What if it, what makes you happy is just being selfish, you know, you know, just living a life of pleasure? You know, that harms other people. Why? Because you're using other people for your gain. What if you're that person? Does freedom do whatever you want, look good then? So no. Freedom in Christ is not a license to do whatever you want. Rather, you've been set free in order to serve God through loving each other. That's why you have been set free. And the scripture here is pretty straightforward. But through love become slaves, become servants to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. These are Paul's words. These are the words of the scriptures. You shall. And that, people, is the definition. It's the Christian understanding of freedom. That's what unites us together. That, that, all this, that's the definition of, of freedom. To be set free from sin in order to serve God. That's the purpose. And so, here we are today in 2022 celebrating 1776 when the American colonies were no longer subordinate to Great Britain and we have this declaration of independence not a lot of people know that a lot of people today unfortunately think that's this is the time of year when the when the fireworks come out and we just have a good day and they don't realize we were set free from something in order to be under something. They don't know that. They have this loose definition of freedom. Kabang! 
There it is. That's their definition. Have a good time. Do whatever it makes you happy. And we as Christians say otherwise. We think otherwise. Because it's vital that we as a people understand that we are freed from one nation, not so we could do whatever we want. Rather, we were freed to be one nation. You ready for this? Under God. One nation under God. And there's more. Indivisible for liberty and justice for all. And listen, I would be a fool if I didn't recognize that many have lost sight of that. I'd be foolish. But here's the thing. I do recognize that. There's a whole group that have lost their, their, their sight. But you haven't. And I thank God for that. We should thank God for that. You haven't. You have your sight. You know the way. Your feet are set on a path of righteousness under God. You were followers of Jesus the Christ, called to be Christian no matter where you are in this world and no matter what circumstance you find yourself in. God bless you that you are in this nation. That's where God has placed your feet. God bless you. But regardless, we are called to be Christian no matter where we are, no matter what soil is under our feet. And here's the thing, if others have lost their sight, to, if, if they have done that, then we see that. If others have lost their sight, be the eyes of Christ. Be the eyes of Christ for them. If others have lost their way, be the hands and the feet of Christ for them. Pray for them. Jesus told his disciples, which includes all of you, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be as wise as serpents and innocent as doves. And what amazes me about that passage is that most of us only hear, be wise as serpents. Because that's our natural tendency, to be wise as serpents. It's also a weird thing for Jesus to say, right? Because it draws our, our, our illusions back to the garden, with the serpent comes into the picture. And, the, and here's the thing to understand, be as wise as serpents. That serpent knew what he was doing. That serpent knew the truth. Right? He knew what to say. He knew how to cast doubt. What that serpent was, was innocent. Anything but innocent. That serpent was not innocent as a dove. And Jesus is saying, I am sending you out among the wolves, like sheep among the wolves. Know what you believe. Know the truth. Be wise. Know how to direct. Know what questions to ask. Know how to act. Know how to love. But don't do it in a matter that is violent. No trickery here. Be as innocent as doves. Do not forget to be as innocent as doves. And I say that because it's easy to look out into the world and be like, yeah, I'm going to fight, fight, fight. Okay, you know what that looks like? It doesn't help. It doesn't help. Use wisdom. Use love. Find your courage in Christ. Take Jesus' words right here. Be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Those are not my words. Those are straight from Jesus, your Lord and Savior. 
and as you celebrate America's independence. Know that we are still one nation under God. One nation under God. Have faith that God is still working. Look out into the world and see his works. They're all over. It's easy to focus on the wrong things. Focus on the right things and correct the wrong things. Use a corrective lens. Indivisible now more than ever. Stay united, people. Stay united. Be of one mind and having the same love. United in Christ. Bring that to the world. Liberty and justice for all. Remember that the independent life that you live is dependent upon the price that Jesus the Christ paid with his life. Jesus came and set the captives free. Jesus came so that you could have life and have it abundantly. Amen to that. But remember, you are set free to serve each other in love. For the whole law is summed up in one statement. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Amen? Amen.